And welcome, everybody, to the Master Movie Podcast with friends, where it's just me and Alex again on this episode. Can we can we prove that Paul Rudd is immortal? Will I, will I stop? When will I stop taking things so seriously? Will I finally shoot Alex out of that tree? All that and more. Nope, I got to shoot. To, I forgot to. Uh, uh, I forgot about the Emmys. I forgot. To, yeah, we're doing the. We're talking about the Emmys a little bit. There's nothing else to talk about. Not really. Except for Vin Diesel's song. Except for that Vin Diesel song. I have only listened to a little bit of it. So, so apparently Kelly Clarkson, I think, has a talk show. And the song debuted on the talk show. And there Mm -hmm. were people on the monitors trying to dance with it. Yeah, so her audience is monitors, and so it's people on monitors instead of actual people. And um, so the song is playing with people, like, in their homes, in their chairs, in front of screens, just, like, kind of, like, dancing a little bit, just kind of, like, dancing in their chairs and, like, shimmying, and it's just the worst way to premiere a song. It's also strangely appropriate for the song itself. Um, it's not like my cup of tea, as Chris said it to me before we started this. I, it's not mine either, but I do. It certainly exudes the kind of joy that Vin Diesel does, but not Dom Toretto. Dom Toretto is all deep voice and seriousness, but like Vin he Diesel, is total like, grunge. He is total he's grunge. A, he's a goo like, but yeah, Vin is just like a total goofball. Um, he's just like he plays Dungeons and Dragons. Like he's just a nerd. It's it's. I mean, Vin Diesel's a little like I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd want to be his best friend. But I don't know who he is as a person. <laughs> but it, like, he is very like goofy. Um, he likes goofy things. And he doesn't mind being goofy. And the song is inherently charming in its goofiness. Um, outside of that, I, I do think it's interesting. I posted this on Twitter actually. A list like a list of all the people I could think of at the time that had like made songs that were also Avengers that you could just make this long list of music like Robert Downey Jr. Zendaya, Brie Larson, uh, Chadwick Boseman did get on up. Uh, get on up. Like there's so many, so many. Jeremy Renner put out an album last year. <laughs> you can make a long, long list of people. Um. So yeah, there's that. That happened. It was okay. Nice. It's just regular Hollywood gossip that I'm not into who news outside of the Emmys. Yeah. Probably the biggest thing for me, the Emmys, Shits Creek won a lot of awards. And uh, I like that show. It's really funny. Really funny. Eugene Levy's kid and Eugene Levy. Uh, really good show. I think all, both of them won actors, and then Levy won for like writing and directing, like a lot. They won a lot. <laughs> huh. Well, the thing that everybody was talking about, though, is Zendaya winning best lead actress in a dramatic series mm. for Euphoria. Well, well having seen um, a lot of Euphoria, I didn't finish it yet. Um, but she is really good in it. Um, she's not the only one with a lot of great people in it. It's the show that kind of like needs to find, has a problem finding its footing a little bit, while at the same time, she is a very grounded character and it's a great performance. 
and she's really captivating in it, but the character's just like all her. It's really great. Um, I'm not surprised. And then also she has a, a movie that she made during quarantine that she's like, the, it's a romantic drama and she's like the lead. Uh, and I think I got a Netflix distribution. So like she's, she's doing real well for herself these days. Yep, there it is. Uh, outstanding comedy series uh, goes to Shit's Creek. Yeah, dude, Shit's Creek is very funny. Really um, funny. Yep, there, there, there it all is. Oh, man. Wow, okay. Came, <laughs> Shit's Creek really of... cleaned up in the comedy, in the comedy award oh, sections. God. Yeah. Good God. It's been, been around for a while, and the thing about the Emmys is they usually like to give it to shows early on and then if they make it they'll give them a swan song like a couple a few awards as they're leaving and Shit's Creek did end this year um and it didn't it did get nominations for things but it just never got this kind of uh love for it but people seem to really love this last season and I think the show as a whole deserves this kind of recognition but it is a sweep it's like a like a, a record-breaking sweep um, Watchmen won best uh, limited series. Damn right. Hmm. I gotta watch the original Watch- Watchmen though. The movie? Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. Yeah. It. I re. I tried to rewatch it recently. I got all the way through, and to be honest, um. I still don't like it, man. I don't. I think it misunderstands the comic, and I think um, as a movie, it just doesn't move well. I, I appreciated it more this time around. I also think that it just doesn't move like the movie should. I think it doesn't understand tone. Uh, how do you go like Dang. It just, a lot of information uh, as a moving picture, move, like mo- movies, like moving images, as opposed to the comics where you can look at an image and then stop you can put the book down and you don't have to turn that page and you can take a second and digest that image in a movie it keeps going you you have to have those moments paced properly so it gives the audience time to digest what they saw um and i don't think that movie or most of Zack snyder's movies do that very well um here okay just reading the list of nominees and then seeing who won this category for Outstanding Reality Competition Program. So RuPaul's Drag Race beat the, Ma- beat the Masked Singer. And all it's, the all, like the reality competition program that I have only ever like that is like being spammed into my feed is the Masked Singer. Um, so I thought Ma- through deduction, I thought Masked Singer, upon reading this list, would be a shoe-in. But now I have underestimated the power of RuPaul's Drag Race. Well, a couple of things. A Amazing Race usually be, is the champion of this uh, of this show. Uh, I mean, this uh, category. Um, Mass Singer was originally a Japanese show before it came to the U.S., so a lot of what it was came from overseas, and the production itself is a lot of fun. But basically, it's just a celebrity comes up, they sing, the judges and other people try to figure out who it is, and then they unmask him throughout the season. Um, sort of like Dancing with the Stars or something. But and, they not- can, and they can thank Ryan Reynolds for that one. Okay. Well, they owe I mean, him. 
Uh, I mean, yes. Ryan Reynolds going on there did create a thing that made people go, what is this show? But it was eventually going to come here. Like, they, they've done that a lot. Like, there are a lot of Japanese shows that have come here that, like, most people don't know were the case. But... Um, MXC! MXC! <laughs> uh, that, well, MXC is just an editing job, yeah. They, like, they literally took... Still the- great! Still great. Still great. Oh, MXC is the best. Um, and that director who made that show was amazing, too. Um, uh, awesome. But it, when it comes to RuPaul's Drag Race, it's an actual competition show, while at the same time having created characters and identities through judges and past contestants over time. It's incredibly amazing to look at. These people are incredibly creative. Their identities are amazing. Like, And it's just an interesting, fun show. And I think it has a lot more to offer than Mass Singer. I'm not surprised that eventually a show like that has um, elevated itself above a competition show like The Amazing Race. But I only think that's because The Amazing Race has been around so long and Drag Race is a show that it seems like it would be for a specific audience, but is actually very entertaining for everyone. Kind of like the Great British Bake Off. It's how they, it's how they, um, how they present the an idea that seems really simple and almost uh, with a narrow audience. And it's their presentation allows it to be digestible by everyone. It's just a fun show, man. These, the characters are great, and RuPaul's amazing, man. She's a star. But, uh, uh, yeah, like I thought, like, I just saw that category. I was like, all I've ever heard is Mass Singer. And now I hear that RuPaul's Drag Race won the, the Emmy. Um, I've fallen out of reality competition shows in general. Um, I never really got into them except for a handful. Like, I tried I getting into Wipeout. I, it had me for a little bit, but then I don't know. I just stopped watching I think Wipeout um, would be better with different announcers these days, but also it's a it's a summer show. I yeah. think if you were like I, that's the best thing for it. And then yes, like you get maybe a couple episodes in, and then eventually you're like, I need a break. It's just it's not. A, I don't think I could watch an entire season. It's the same thing with that mini golf show. It's the exact same thing. Um, but uh, I would say uh, yeah. D- mm, yeah, World of Dance, I really like. I genuinely like that show. The the judges don't mess around, but they've been trying to. They tried to do their finale recently um, without an audience, and it did not work. And it really kind of screwed things up. And so I don't want them to continue the show without an audience. I really don't. Uh, I don't watch Amazing Race or Big Brother or, or anything like that. I tried to Love Island for a little bit, but I just didn't really. I, I couldn't invest after a while. Just I wanted to do it just for trash, and my sister liked it. But... <laughs> I was about to say, like, what are you watching Love Island for? <laughs> I've never heard of it, and my sister showed me, and I just, uh, I'm a guy who grew up on, like, the real world and road rules. Like, the, I, I inherently have that kind of people sit around and do nothing but just get to know each other uh, mentality about my reality television. It's when it started getting really manipulated that I didn't like it. Um and Love Island had that sort of capability about it. It also offers really interesting, like, narrative changes in how the show works. And I thought I found all those things interesting after a while. Plus, they're attracted to people and, and all that stuff. But then after a while, like, uh, the season that I watched had interesting people, like, two guys who were, like, jerks when the show started. 
got, broke down over time and became lovable best friends and started apologizing for their actions to were like decent people. But then like this other couple just didn't seem genuine. There were jerks and stuff. And then there was this one girl and this one guy. They were the two most genuine people I've ever seen on a show like this. And it's like there was the show and then there was those two. And the whole point of the show is you pick the, the audience picks the couple that they think is the best couple. And it was obviously, obviously then they were genuinely falling in love. And I was like, I love this couple. I, I think they're great. I think they're genuine, awesome human people. And the audience, of course, picked the couple that I didn't like. And of course they didn't last. And then people started like, started hearing horrible stories like an old host like committed suicide, like other contestants committed suicide. Like the Good way that they're, they're treated social media. And this is in the UK. The US version just started and I haven't watched it. Uh, and I was just like, I'm out. I can't do it. Like this shit is crazy. Um, and I'm like, I, I get Big Brother. I do. It's a social game. But like if you don't start Big Brother when it starts, then you're screwed. Because there are so many ways to watch that show. And if you're behind, you're, you're fucked. Um, and Amazing Race is... I've just never been able to get into it. I can watch an episode or two with people, but I've never been like invested in a season of it. Um, so yeah, my reality television is very narrow. I like Alone though. Alone is really good. Uh, I think my brother watches uh, Naked and Afraid. Um, I watched I the I watched the show. I'm like, yeah, no, heck, <laughs> that's not for me. <laughs> I mean, I get the point of Naked and Afraid, but we, the reason I like Alone versus that is because these are actual survivalists with actual skills and stuff, and they're still, like, dropping like flies. It's crazy. Um, besides Zendaya taking uh, Outstanding Lead Actress in the Drama Series in terms of the drama categories, it's pretty much all su- Succession. Even beating out... Yeah. So it beat out Better Call Saul, The Crown... Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, Mandalorian, Ozark, and Stranger Things. Okay, that list is stacked from what I've from word of mouth. That list is that that list is stacked. Okay, so I'm I like Stranger Things, but I don't think it's season. I think it's season three is really good. I don't think it's the strongest one, and I don't think it deserves to win. Other some of these other seasons, I still haven't watched Mandalorian yet. Uh, I. <laughs> I think Better Call Saul is the best show on that, honestly. But um, I get Succession. Succession is really good. The moment you start to understand that Succession portrays itself like a corporate drama but is, in fact, a comedy, you really are rewarded for it to the point that, like, the boss's son is, like, walking out into this business, like, corporate thing that everyone's like this dinner thing he puts on a new york jersey and he just starts rapping about his dad you're like oh my fucking god oh my god oh my god <laughs> and then you start to notice things and you're like this is probably one of the smartest comedies around so i'm not surprised people really love succession and season two was a big hit but i personally love better call saul i think the breaking bad el camino uh, breaking uh, of Better Call Saul universe is perfect. That those shows and movies are perfect, and I, I don't want them changed. I never want them altered. I never want them remade. They are classics to me. And even El Camino, that doesn't even necessarily made when it did, is still an excellent movie. It's like an excellent TV movie. Um, 
yeah, and, and Bob Odenkirk and everyone involved in Better Call Saul is just. I, I want that show to go out like Shit's Creek did. I want everyone to just like. I want to give them the Odenkirk and everybody just. I love Saul. I love Con. I love Con Men stories. Um. Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of TV anymore. <laughs> so I really don't know. So this is pretty much all you for these Emmys. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, uh, I'm not really up to date with a lot of the seasons, but I do know a lot of these shows. I do keep my eye on them. And if I know I'm not going to get to them for a while, I'll, I'll learn some spoilers if need be. Um, but Better Call Saul I've kept in touch with. Since day one, and uh, I love that show. Love it. So you know, here's the thing. That like for me, I remember mentioning this on the show. I like I was starting to like open myself up to Game of Thrones, and I'm like, I'll follow it from a distance, like light stuff. I'll see what people are talking about, and then so. It's like, okay, what I decided was if it sticks the landing, I'm, I'm, I'll be even more compelled to give it a shot. But that did not end up being the case from what I hear. No. Um, <laughs> I, one of the Game of Thrones for me, as someone who's an um, on and off fan uh, of the, the show and not really necessarily the book of the world, what is ultimately yes is it worth it and the thing is if you are a diehard fantasy fan if you love dragons and you love swords and battles and kings and queens if that's your jam man you'll ultimately be satisfied the experience by the experience of game of thrones but for everybody else who's interested in any genre or any tv show is it just worth it as a tv show fuck no no <laughs> <laughs> The ultimate endgame of Game of Thrones is such such a waste of time. And I feel bad for everyone involved because it's a lot of hard work. And it is beautiful and it is interesting. But I, like, have no desire to go back. I don't want to go to that ending. Knowing how things end, I just, it, I just don't care. It's <laughs> like going out. <laughs> With your best friend and getting drunk, or like you're an old friend and you're getting drunk, and then by the end of the night, you're not that drunk, but they're incredibly sloppy drunk and they've just like given up on all the endeavors you want to do. And you're like, hey, I thought we were going to go like to a bar and then a show and like hang out with these friends over here. And they're like, nah, man, I'm just, we should just stay at home and eat and watch. And you're like, you gave up on the end, man. You gave up on the end. Um, <laughs> it's not, like, do I think that? you are capable of getting into a world as geeky and as nerdy as and as fantastical and specific as game of thrones yes you do it for star wars but do <laughs> i think you'd be satisfied by that end no uh no funny story about star wars anyway um other than that there's pretty much all the news pretty much um so yeah that's yeah from, yeah yeah that's pretty much it because like otherwise nothing happened other than movies got delayed <laughs> yeah 
I'm pretty much done with. I'm pretty much. I'm pretty much done. Convinced that nothing's coming out for the next five years, and theaters oh. will die a horrible death. And I uh, have to come to terms with the world without movie theaters. Um, no, that's not going to happen. And uh, you're just being over Japan. Hey, somebody's starting to get it. Um, from my tree, I can see you being over dramatic. <laughs> yeah, my tree now. Um, I, it's done. My tree. <laughs> so, what did we watch? You should start. Mm. I should start. <clears throat> yeah. Well, um, I, I, I sat down and I rewatched the Before trilogy again, all the way through. Didn't you do that last week and then you did it again now? No, I was going to, but oh. I was planning on it. If I said I did, it's only because I'd watched a bunch of stuff on it, like at work, like they showed both of them, but I really sat down and watched them again. It was great. Watched a bunch of behind the scenes on them and everything. Um, I watched um, The Rock again with my sister, and that huh. was cool. <clears throat> that was awesome. She had never seen it. Um, and you've never seen it too, right? I have seen it. I own it. Okay. That's the one you... Okay, so you do... All right, so... Oh, my God, man. Uh, I only had a small period of time of immunity uh, after getting sick to see my sister and get some moving done, uh, put some stuff in her place. And so uh, I came over and we watched the movie and halfway through the movie there's this guy this actor named William Forsythe and he's been in a lot of movies he's played a lot of cops and he plays a cop in the movie uh, Deuce Bigelow uh, Male Gigolo by Rob Schneider or with <laughs> and Rob Schneider plays a guy who cleans fish tanks he ends up getting a job watching a house and cleaning a fish tank of a very um, renowned male gigolo and um he breaks a giant fish tank and almost kills a bunch of fish. So he has to replace the fish tank before the gigolo comes back and decides he needs to be a gigolo to do it. And it's Rob Schneider. Comedy and Comedy <laughs> and uh, And in the middle of this, throughout this movie, there is a cop that was on the original gigolo's heels, played by William Forsythe. And he is, throughout the movie, giving Rob Schneider a hard time. So he keeps running up to him throughout the movie and being like, hey, man, hey, man, I know what you do. I know what you do, man, you dirty gigolo. I'm going to find you. I'm going to find all your clients. I'm going to bring you down. But by the way, is something wrong with my dick? And he whips out his dick and he shows him his dick and he wonders if something's wrong with it throughout the movie. It's a running gag. That's the gag. He thinks if he keeps stressing about his penis and wonders if the gigolo can give him advice about it while he's berating him and trying to blackmail him to do stuff. It is so weird and such a weird decision that every time I see him in any other movie, including The Rock, and he he is the first person that enters a scene, I immediately expect him to ask anybody in that room what's wrong with his dick. It's a problem. And as I was watching the movie, I was laughing because I mentioned that to my sister, and she loves time travel. So she was like, what if you made a time machine that was only specifically needed 
not to replace William Forsythe from Male Gigolo, but to ask every single filmmaker of every movie that he's ever been in if he could not enter the scene of any movie he's ever in. It was the weirdest thing. And just explaining it, I know, is weird, but it went down such a rabbit hole that it took us a legit... And The Rock is, what, uh, two and a half, maybe three hours? It took us a legit six hours to watch that movie because we could not stop fucking laughing. We could not, not <laughs> this joke. So the, there were so many layers, Chris, that I was like, the only way we could ever explain this was be if we wrote a movie about this time machine and then asked William Forsythe to be in this movie and, and constantly run around and ask him what's wrong with his dick, like it was being John Malkovich. I would have to ask William Forsythe to do this so that we could make it so elaborate and specific that people could understand what happened. It was probably one of the greatest brother-sister moments of my life. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it was so funny, Chris, I almost made my sister pee herself, and then we joked so hard that it reverted back to I almost beat myself. It was ridiculous. It was amazing. It was nice. one of the greatest. Um, and then she was, by the time we were halfway through the movie and kept pausing it and laughing at this joke, she was getting kind of sick of the movie. And then I was like, no, Jenny, we have to finish it. And by the end, she was like, oh, yay. Oh, Sean Connery gets to be with his daughter again. Yay. And I was like, yeah, dude. It's the rock. You want to know who killed JFK? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Oh, uh, yeah, The Rock's great. Okay. And then, uh, and then um, a lot of zombie movies, a lot of zombie movies uh, for the other cast. So I watched like Train to Busan. I'd never seen that. That was really good. That's probably my favorite fast movie, fast moving zombie movie that I had seen. I rewatched the first Resident Evil. And that uh, Mila Jovovich, she's so good in that. She's so good. And as a zombie movie, it's good. As everything else, it's, it's awful. It's terrible. It's really jaded. <laughs> CGI is super bad. Um, it takes like a good half an hour before they get to the zombie movie. And then I'm like, sweet, okay, it's a standard zombie movie. And then the last half an hour is just crap. And it's just like a sandwich, just, just shit with the nice meat sandwich in the middle. It's like, oh, God, it's terrible. Uh, and I rewatched the 28 Days movies, the 28 movies. So I watched 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later. And those movies hold up. They're really good. Really good um viral movies because they're not necessarily zombie movies but they did rejuvenate zombie movies and i rewatched dawn of the dead uh, dawn of the dead by Zack snyder um uh i don't like it as much as i did i do appreciate Man. a lot of the but like his thematics i don't agree i it's i think a big thing has to do with the fact that i have really started to enjoy george romero's original Don, uh, Don, original Night of the Living Dead trilogy, I've, I've really started to think that that's the pinnacle of what you can do with that storytelling. Not the, like, only way to do it, but it is, a, like, the best template for it. And he just kind of, like, actively ignores the arguments of the original Dawn of the Dead. And then I rewatched I Am Legend, and that movie's great until the people show up. <laughs> great until um, the people show up. It's really right up stupid. until the, um... Right up until the doctor shows up, right? Was she a was she uh, a doctor? She was just a woman. She she okay. I have uh, trouble remembering that movie. So everything with him alone leads up to him and the dog moment, 
And then after the dog moment happens, he decides he's just going to kill as many of those things and then kill himself in the process. And she saves him, which I don't understand. Wait, that's not the ending I got. No, no, no. I'm I'm telling you what happens at the beginning of the third act. So this is the third act. This is the end of the second act. So he, his dog dies, and he is so sad that he decides he's going to kill the zombies uh, or creatures. And he drives his car out onto the pier uh, after he tricks him into thinking that he's sitting at that desk out there. And then they attack him. They almost push the car into the water. And then the woman and her son uh, fish him out of the car after it's crashed before a zombie uh, creature could kill him. And they take him back to his place because they ask him when he wakes up in the middle of the driving where his home is. Uh, And then he wakes up. They meet. She says that she was told by God that she was supposed to come there after hearing his message. And he says he doesn't believe in God. And then he starts singing, you know, he starts quoting Shrek. And he starts singing Bob Marley. He starts acting like Will Smith in any other movie. And he just starts ruining it. She's fine. The kid's fine. But then the monsters attack. And he finds out that the cure has worked in the middle of that attack. He gives the cure to them, puts them in a grate. And then while the creatures are trying to attack him to get to the wife that he had taken and has now cured, he just blows them all up with a grenade. And she goes to civilization. And that's the end. I knew knew there was a reason I didn't like that ending. This is bad. I know they had other endings and I know they changed it, but like that ending is not good. Because like... He's saying there, I can help you guys. I can help to the creatures. He's like, I can help you. I can cure you. And like, you feel bad for the creatures. He took their wife. Um, and he just murders them all. And then I don't like the fact that in the middle of the third act, like there are some semblances of, of like faith being in the movie. Like he prays with his wife and daughter before they blow up in a helicopter crash. But then it's never mentioned from him again. It, it's not in any other flashbacks. And then when she picks him up, like he sees a cross in their car, and then she's like, "I'm a prophet, and you're uh, this is God. God made this happen." And it's like, "What movie? Like, I don't mind if you'd have put that in earlier, but like, what is this like? The is this like the alternative? Like, this? Okay, I've seen the movie start to finish. It was years ago, like no, years this, ago. I watched the theatrical version. So." This sounds like the way you're describing it. The last like third of the movie is like an alternative third act to like a Nicolas Cage left behind movie. That's the kind uh, of vibe I'm getting. Um, I don't know. I've only I haven't seen Nicolas Cage's Left Behind. I've only seen Cameron. Everyone I have talked to says that movie's garbage. Well, of course it's garbage. He makes garbage all the time. I've seen Knowing, which is pretty much the exact same thing. Like, it's another apocalyptic movie that has Christian vibes, but, like... Oh, uh, no. This one's worse. Trust me. Left Behind, I think, is... From what I've heard, it's worse. Well, I guarantee you that the Cameron... uh, The guy who made Saving Christmas, whoever that fucking guy's name is, I forgot. For Cameron. Uh, Cameron. (laughs) His Left Behind series is a lot worse. They made, like, four of those things. Um... Uh, I, I, it, it's hard to explain what happens because it's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. He carries it so well. The atmosphere is so good. The monsters are so weird. At, like every set piece is brilliant until she shows up, and then it's like he's quoting Shrek and he's joking with her, and it's like, 
it, 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 it just doesn't work. And then this faith aspect comes in and then like he shows her and then there's a cure and then they're there. It's like, it's so bad. Like she, she takes, she leads the zombies. To, they follow her to his place. Like she's just a terrible thing. It's, it's like, I feel so bad for him that this woman just comes in and like blows up everything in his life. Of course, he was gonna die. he was gonna murder himself anyway. So what's the matter? He gets to do one good thing before he goes. But like, it's just it it feels like it just happens. It's so weird. It just is an entirely different movie. You're right. And then that's that's all I watched. Okay, Alex, it's a vacuum. I say, it's a vacuum. I think it's a black hole, inescapable in. It's complexity. What'd you do? Watch more Star Wars? So here's what happened. I'm trying to fix one of my, um, like, like a piece of my camera gear with super glue. Can't find the super glue. Don't have any super glue on me. So I go out, I walk out my living room, and what is my dad watching? You've been watching him all week. You know what he watches. What did, wait, what did I find him watch, Alex? Rise of Skywalker? He was watching Rise of Skywalker, to which I immediately told him to pause it. Pause that movie in my presence. Let, let it trigger another meltdown. So... Looked for the super glue. Looked for the super glue. We spent like half an hour trying to find the super glue. Couldn't find it. So I went back into my room and I just went back to like whatever I was doing, playing Madden or something. So then I had to come back out to, I don't know, make something to eat because I was hungry. And so I told Dad, pause the movie. And so I was, so, <laughs> so then because he was watching the movie and I could, it's a black hole. I couldn't, I couldn't help but think, which is what this movie doesn't want you to do. Alex, you real, you probably realized this when you watched it in the movie theater, but mm. in the end battle, they were all, they were blowing up the Star Destroyers by attacking the cannon that blows up planets. Okay. They deliberately built this entire super light, this Death Star-esque powerful laser and attached it to a enlarged version of a Star Destroyer. And the reason... <laughs> That they were blowing up was because that because that cannon was there. They the most <laughs> it's so dumb. The most vulnerable part of the Star Destroyer is the thing that blows up the planet. Which is so layered it's such a layered joke to me because 
<laughs> so, okay, hold on. So I just had a laughing fit, similar to yours. Like I could not stop laughing at the at that revelation. It's just like the laser is just out. Like it doesn't retract into the thing. It's just attached to the bottom. That's true. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. By that point in the movie, I had given up on it. <laughs> I, I watched again to truly see any of the real flaws in the third act because the most apparent ones are super apparent. But by that point, I had just like given up, and I have not seen Rise of Skywalker since I've seen it in the theaters. But there's a lot I remember about it. Oh, there's so much I remember about it. Uh, <laughs> It's not, it's not like, a lot does happen, but, like, I've seen a lot of videos of people breaking it down after it came out, so a lot of people broke down the story structure for me. So I've, I really still remember that movie quite well, but I don't remember that battle. I don't remember that battle too much at all, except for, I know, I, all the throne room stuff I get, and I have in my head pretty locked down, but I gotta be honest, like, the moment... That that battle starts and it's like Poe dudes. I, I kind of just zoned out of all of that crap. Like I didn't care about any of that at all. <laughs> it's like really, it's kind of just it's kind of distressing me right now how little I cared about like the rebellion at all by that point. Oof, like that, that's the outside world of Star. Like they narrowed the field of the Skywalker bullshit so much so that I just did not care about it, like, at all, man. Oof, didn't like it. Um, so, yeah, I kind of, I don't even remember anything about that canon, but in terms of having the, a big, giant planet-killing device, having an incredibly stupid vulnerability, yeah, that's there since day one, man. That's New Hope bullshit. Yeah, that's the thing. That's <laughs> dumb. Yeah, and I it's been there since day one. And they dude, couldn't they ran, help themselves. Dude, they ran horses on fucking spaceships. They could have just turned the spaceship. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what, Dad? Play it. Play the last 20 minutes of this movie. Because I, like... And then, like, so after the Falcon saves Finn and Jenna. And then it cuts to Ray about to like die. I just like went into the kitchen. I'm like, nope, I can't do this. I can't do this. Like, I had to like I know I know how it looks. Just like it's been seared into my how whole movie, despite its pace, I know how it looks and I hate it. So I had to go into the kitchen. I'm like, I can't watch this. This is just there's gonna come a day where I'm gonna have to sit down and watch this myself and reckon with it. Yeah. And then get a divorce. <laughs> uh what? I, I would love that. Like one day, like you get come downstairs, you're like, hi honey. You say hi to your kid and you're like, do 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 you go downstairs, you watch all the movies, you enter on Rise and you're like, call you, we're getting a divorce. I hey Everything. <laughs> I think I need a divorce from Star Wars. 
Like, um, seriously. <laughs> I, I think you need... Because I can't stop thinking about it. <laughs> well, like I, I think you have a problem. Yes, I think you have Yes, I do. I think you intense about the thing that you love. Yes, very much. I think it actually is tied to your happiness, which is a problem. Uh, tied to your happiness and your depression, which is a problem, and that's that's true. I don't know. I don't know if the answer is to stop talking or stop care or like getting involved. Like if you need to cut it out of your life, because I don't think that's the case. I just think you are too intense about it. So much so that when you enter a room and someone's watching it, you need to ask them to pause it until whatever you're doing in that room is done. That's kind of a problem. Like, like I, I, I hate Rise of Skywalker, and I don't want to watch it again. But I am curious about what it is, and um, I like the other movies. And I also know that this is a product that can be made better again one day. But, like, it, is, it does suck to go from now Force Awakens is here, we're getting new movies, and then watching that trajectory turn to we went from having a couple of Star Wars movies a year to now we have nothing for years. And what's left over is this bitter taste in your mouth. So I get it, but like you are too intense about the thing you love. Absolutely. It's like tied to like your anger and your happiness in a way that like I can sway you. Let me put it this way. On your wedding day, on your wedding day, the happiest day of your life, you could have that you could have that happened as well as like all the people in your life that had treated you terribly come up and be like, I'm sorry, man. Have a great wedding day. And like your wife's like, I'm going to fuck you so good. This is going to be great. And you're going to have all those things for it. And then I could walk up and be like, hey, man, you know what? I actually genuinely like Skywalker now. Here's an entirely written argument about why Skywalker's <laughs> would stop. You would pull a chair and you would read that shit. And you would freak out at this point in your life. If that happened, you would do that. If I like you would be if you were in the middle of a massive fight with your wife, that was an end breaker deal about whether you would take a break and be separated and like have to like be the steps away from divorce. And I walked up and was like, Chris, by the way, I like Chris Skywalker. You'd be like, honey, I think we did. Could you hold on one second, Alex? Sit down. <laughs> Remind me to never let you speak at my wedding. <laughs> I know. But that's at the point where you are like, you could have something massive happening within your personal life, and someone could just mention something about Star Wars that you either disagree with or they could make it like, like, you would stop, you would pump the brakes to correct them. Uh, or at least make an argument back, sort of like share throughout this movie. You'd make an argument. Um, and yes, I think that's at the point. I think that your, your passion for that is both funny and also so intense that like you're asking people to pause the movie from their watching experience. Believe think, it or not, it's getting better. <laughs> I think it will one day, absolutely. But if you ask me if, that, if you have a problem, yes. Do you do I think you need to step away from it? No, but I think one day you will hopefully be able to just see them as movies and yeah, be happy when they're great and be sad when they're not, but like also not have it like ruin your day when it's like months after the release and like you're walking in a room and you see it like an X. Like I do that, like I do that with things too. I do that with X's. Like I, I have a problem with that. I've tried to work on that. Like 
I, I something goes wrong. We're not dating anymore. And then every time I see them, I'm like, my life's ruined. My day's ruined. This is fucking. I've I've absolutely done that with other things. So it's not a specific thing that you do. It's just a thing that people do when they're excited about something. And like it may be, it's a little toxic in your life, but. Um, you're also not going online and berating people and calling them idiots and minorities and women and being like, you're <laughs> but it's ruining you. It's affecting you. That's the thing. You are, you are not putting it on others, which is nice. You put it on yourself, which in turn makes you angry and then in turn angry at others. <laughs> so that's all true. I mean, I literally called okay. it. You're like, at the beginning. Okay, listen. So, first off, like, dang, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I thought, like, first off, if you came up to me and said Rise of Skywalker was actually pretty good, I would I would just, like, brush it off as a joke. <laughs> I don't think no. I'd sit you down. <laughs> you would sit me down. If I legit looked at you and gave you a handwritten argument, me, not anybody else, me, you would be concerned because you know I could make a fair argument might change your mind. And if you end up liking something, I think anybody who listens to the show would be concerned for you. Especially because you and I both know that part of that argument would have to be that Jedi suck. (laughs) And I like, I don't agree with that. Um, But that's, that's the point. Like that's, it's the fact that someone would make something that could actually make you stop and go, what did you say about Star Wars? <laughs> to be you fair. Know. No, no, no. Okay, so when I'm in public, actually, like, legit. When I'm in public, and, like, because like, most of the people... I, I'd, say, I'd say, like, the consensus on Last Jedi is, like, half and half. Um, okay. But, like... I'm no, here's the you. thing. Here's the thing. No, 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 no. So I would get here's you the going. thing. Here's the thing. When the topic of Star Wars comes up, like I'm like, so like there was a bonfire like in July, and we were all talking, and then the, and then uh, Star Wars was about to come up. I'm like, change the subject, please change the subject, change the subject. I don't want to be a part of an argument. <laughs> I wasn't concerned well, because I was going to argue, but, like, I was concerned that uh, some kind of argument was going to start between my friends, and somehow that would cause me to either get up and leave, which I didn't want to do, or get involved, which I also didn't want to do. So I'm like, nope, change the subject. Change the well, subject. If we're, if we're, gonna get, if we're really going to break this down, I would say, A, that is the thing about both Star Wars and politics right now, that the, like, the discussion is so toxic that just talking about star wars leads someone to going i don't want to be in an argument because they immediately think they're going to get in an argument and that's terrible that sucks like no one wants that for your fandom you want to talk about the products if you don't talk about the products then that's how you get stunted content like we got but the other end of the spectrum is you dictating what people are able to talk about because have how it will affect you. <laughs> that is true. Thing, I didn't think about that. That is the thing being <laughs> to you and your and what your ability to enjoy things. You should be able to listen to those people and sit down in your like 
and be able to choose when you whether you enter that argument. You should be able to sit there and be like, man, those guys are idiots. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't. And hey, trust me, it's super hard for me when people talk about movies and they're like, my God, I loved this you know, Michael Bay movie. It's such a great movie. Why don't you like this movie? I love this disgusting teen movie. It was great. Like, I love this movie that perpetuates this terrible thing. And like, I have to pick my battles because sometimes you just can't convince people of things. And sometimes you can't make an argument or the, the very attempt of it is considered an act of war. And you're like, fuck, like, where, what am I going to do now? But the moment that you are looking at people and going, don't talk about it because seriously, how, how weird is that? You are looking at people and going, please don't talk about the thing I love. It makes me think about it. And that makes me upset. That's, that's crazy. That's pretty no, it's not, that, it's not even just that. It makes other people upset, too. No, it's what they say that might make you upset. That might make ah. you, you go, like, that's the thing. The, like, uh, that's the two points. The fandom is so toxic that everyone is thinking that. But because you are thinking that now, you're taking it a step further and saying that very discussion of, in an argument is going to cause me to get into the argument, too. You're expecting it. You are anticipating it, and therefore you are forcing people to not put anybody in that position, including yourself. And yes, I get how you're like, I, this is the thing I'm super passionate about, and if you guys talk about it and I get involved, maybe I'll start an argument and things will go really bad. That is, you are being compassionate, you're letting people know that that's a thing, and you're admitting that. That's part of the change, absolutely. But there, yes, I do think there's something up when, like, the very mention of the thing that you love and the possibility of an argument coming means that you cannot share it. And you're telling other people that you can't not share it and that they can't not share it. And you're like, like, that's, that sucks. How much of that is the, how much of that is the, the product itself? And how much is that you, how much of it is you allowing that product to dictate your emotions and your moods throughout your life? Like that, that's the thing. And trust me, I don't, it's not just like pop culture stuff. It's going to be other things. I do it with other things. I do it with legitimate people. And that's even worse, man. Like I, I, we're, we're talking about movies and stuff from a distance because they are put out there as art and subjective and we can't, we're supposed to. It's taking it too far. That's the discussion, but I do it to people. And that's like, those people aren't products. People are like, as the person that I like late, the last person I did this to, they told me this and I still don't necessarily agree with it, but it actually works in this context. People contain multitudes. That's that still means they're doing dickish things and they can be assholes and they can be jerks and stuff like that, but they are capable of good, you know, like an anti hero. Like some people can be jerks, but they can also be capable of good things, you know. I, I like Michael Jackson produced great music, but he might have molested kids with his power. That's crazy. J.K. Rowling wrote great books and, you know, as an imagination that, it, you know, in, in inspires other people. But, like, she also uses her power to, like, induce fear and possible danger towards trans people. And it's like, that's, it's, there's a yin and the yang to the world. And, people, like, it, it's okay to love Star Wars. And I wouldn't want you to say, take Star Wars out of your life and stop watching it. Maybe you do need a break, but that's not going to stop people from talking about the most popular film franchise of all time. So at some point, the real question here is, when are you, not can you, but when will you get to the point where you can walk in a room, see Rise of Skywalker, and be like, yeah, that movie sucks. 
um, man, I want to watch Star Wars. I'm going to go watch Star Wars. Like, that's what that should be. Like, that's what that's what happens for, like, X-Men. Sometimes I'm watching a shitty X-Men movie, and I'm like, man, I want to watch Logan. Or, man, I want to watch Days of Future Past, you know? Like, sometimes I'm watching Bad Twin Peaks, and I'm like, man, I can't wait to get to the good stuff. It's like let, allowing you to decide how you love this thing, not the thing deciding how much you can love it. Like, that, that is what I hope for you one day soon. Because again, Rise of Skywalker is a pretty fresh wound. You know, it was a it was a punch, and and the weight they put on it, and how they how they made it is both interesting and sad and compelling and depressing. So <laughs> I just <laughs> do I do, and I know you, and I do. So like, yeah, I do think that this thing has a grip on you in a way that like you should have a grip on it, and one day you will. And a huge thing that'll allow that to happen, of course, is when better stuff comes out and like inspire people make stuff. But that may not be for a bit. We may not see a good future from this franchise for a bit, but it will come. And when it does, I want you to be excited about it again. The way people were excited for Force Awakens when they said it was going to come out. <sighs> this is all funny, given that side thing that I'm doing that will go unmentioned. It's all funny when I'm saying all this and that, and that's in the works. <laughs> because that's not because that is not dictated by the the product at hand. That is your perception of it. There's no rules. There's no boundaries except the ones that you make. You are the Bible creator for this, you know, product that you're. Doing. <laughs> and it's not. It's like when people make a show and they say, "I've written a Bible. This is the these are the rules of a show in the world, and the characters don't." Don't look like you are doing that here. Like you are, you don't have to go to studio executives and make deals. You don't have to worry about actors. You don't have to like go to lawyers and say, can I say this in my novelization of this product? You are doing what you want to do with the thing you want to do it under your terms. That, that is literally like embracing um, the product without any outside perspective. And that's, you know, that's freedom. Yeah. Anyway, I have a problem, everyone. <laughs> well, we all, we all do. We all, we all have something like that. We all have the thing that we, when it, when it doesn't go our way, it affects everything we do. And when that thing is like also the thing we love most, then it's like dangerous. You know, it's super dangerous for us. Um, sometimes that's movies for me. Sometimes that's people. Um, but it could be anything. It's just you love Star Wars so much. So that love gets, you know, reverted back in a toxic way sometimes. And so one day I hope that you're like, eh, I'm, be I'm better than you, Star Wars. I control how I love you. <laughs> I'm there's, better okay. than you, Star Wars. <laughs> okay, so there's a, there's a movie called Adaptation with Nick Cage. Um and it's about, it's, I'm not going to go into this whole movie because it's super fucking hard to explain. But Nick Cage plays two twin brothers in the movie. There's a brother named Charlie and there's a brother named Donald. Charlie is a uh, very antisocial, very neurotic, intelligent, uh, educated, sort of uh, a little bit pretentious uh, screenwriter. His brother is an incredibly social, fun, interesting empathetic and nice um uh 
kind of like <clears throat> laid back who also becomes a screenwriter at the beginning of the movie by the end of the movie um they both uh charlie finds himself in a situation after throughout the movie giving his brother a hard time for being such a lazy about and a goofball that by the end of the movie he, the donald is starting to take control of, of the situation that they're in they find themselves run, uh, hiding away from people with guns and they're waiting there and they start thinking about their lives and um charlie starts talking about how he never never saw the world the way donald did and how he may have given him shit for it he was always jealous of it um and donald was like what do you mean he's like you're just ignorant of the of things like i i remember this time in high school i was up at the balcony and you were down um a level at school and you went to go talk to the girl that you like and you just were so in love with her. And he's like, I was so in love with her. And Charlie's like, and then you walked away. And when you walked away, she made fun of you to her friends. And I saw that and I felt so bad. It was like they were making fun of me because they're twin brothers. And Donna goes, I knew she was making fun of me. And Charlie's like, what? He's like, I didn't care. I loved her. That was my love. She didn't have to love me back. I did whatever I want with it. It was mine. She, she had no right to take that away from me. It's one of the most beautiful moments in, in a movie that I'd seen when I first saw it. And it's so well done by Nick Cage. And he's doing it to himself, which is even more impressive. He got an Oscar now for it. But that moment is the same thing. Like, that's your love, Chris. Star Wars does not dictate how you love it. It does not dictate how you feel about it. You get to decide that. And it may seem like it's really hard now because of the guttural punch of that movie so, like, not long ago. But it will happen. Like, I, I loved things so passionately. And now I'm able to see them a little bit more objectively. Maybe that was time. Maybe that was age. Maybe I just, as you get older, you just don't have that kind of passion anymore. Maybe ask your dad. Ask your dad when he first fell in love with Star Wars and how passionate he was then and how easy he is to take some of these swallows and just enjoy the thing he loves now and see if that is about time and age and experience. But like my favorite band, man, I, I love my favorite band. I do. It's, they still surprise me to this day, but nothing will be make me as passionate as I was when I first found them. And thank God they never really let me down the way that this has. But there have been moments where I was like, oh, you know, that wasn't what I wanted. And my response was a little bit more hurt than I would have wanted it to be. And nowadays when they try something new um, and I don't appreciate it, I'm so excited to say, you know what? Something new is coming down the pipe. Some, one day they're going to come up so new and maybe it'll reach me, maybe it won't. If they don't, I have all this other stuff. You have so much stuff to enjoy, Chris, that isn't even just movies and shows of this world. And you know what? You seem to be producing some sort of answer to that yourself behind the scenes. So at the end of the day, I think you're well on your way. But yeah, when you walk into a room and you ask someone to pause that movie so you can like get a glass of water. <laughs> <laughs> That's, interesting. That's interesting to me. <laughs> yeah, I will one day come to terms with it and you may one day. Dear, view, dear listener, hear the end of it. Um, but I guess that day was not today. So. I don't expect, I don't expect it today. That, be, that would be inconsiderate. <laughs> Clueless. Clueless. 
Zach's pick, I believe. Sadie's not here. Was it his pick? It was his pick. I thought it was yours. No, he picked it, and I really enjoyed it. Again, Zach has good picks, man. He has good picks. Solid picks. So I'm looking at a frame from the stairway conversation. Between her and with Paul. Paul. With her and Paul Rudd. Yeah. And I am switching between tabs on my browser of a photo of today's Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. And I cannot see a difference, Alex, besides stubble. But he has that stubble here. I mean, movie. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, Paul He's Rudd, immortal! He's Paul, like Michael Caine! I don't know what he's doing, man, but he looks... He looks amazing. He really does. Ageless. Like I, I think he does look like he's aged, but he also is one of the most well-aged men ever. Because um, he was in his 20s. It, he was in his mid-20s when he made this, but also he wasn't the oldest person on set. The, wo- the woman who played Dion was actually 27, I believe. So he was probably 25. He was already... He'd already been in a few movies. He, he had starred in a Halloween movie by then. He uh, was in Romeo Plus Juliet with ba- by Baz Luhrmann. He uh, would do a complete road movie with Reese Witherspoon in a couple years called Overnight Delivery. Uh, and he would just sort of like kind of do a few things until he ended up on the last couple seasons marrying Phoebe on Friends. So even to this day, he's like, I don't feel like I'm part of that show. But he, he is technically, anytime they continue on that show, which they were supposed to do this year on HBO Max, he was going to be involved. He's just a part of it now. And then right after that happened, he didn't know what he was going to do um, with his career, and he ended up on Anchorman. And Anchorman brought him into comedy, and he just was no holds bar after that. And I think since then, he's just been so happy about his career that he just is just, I think he's just not stressed anymore. He just keeps working. Like his early comedy seems very sort of like he just doesn't care and he's a jerk. But nowadays, like he just seems happy to be a part of anything. It's amazing. Um, and he, not only was he in Marvel recently in the past couple of years, he had a TV show for Netflix. He made a serious uh, movie. Like, I think he's just happy to be working. And that lack of stress has just allowed him to age well, I think. So we spun the good wheel. We spun the good wheel. And <laughs> it, landed on, it landed on Clueless. It did. This is the first movie directed by a woman that we have done on the show. Is it? Wow, that's crazy. I looked back, Alex. I looked back on our entire archive. Heck, I can look again. Not one episode do I remember being directed by a woman. Not one. Besides the Matrix, the Matrix, make, make of that what you will, viewer. I don't think the Matrix series counts only because at the time they being brothers and considered the Wachowski brothers probably certainly helped them get a couple things done that if they were um, women at the time that they probably wouldn't have been able to do. Like the fact that they got away as two brothers with a lesbian film noir before it is because they were men. If they were women, probably not. So I don't think it necessarily counts. They got a lot of things done because 
of what they identified as then. Um, uh, but I don't think that um, their identities as trans or what they um, viewed for the future of their lives were not in those films. People made strong arguments for trans identity within the Matrix, and uh, I don't think that those elements are not there. And considering both Bound and those two movies, like it's obvious that it was on their mind and probably was something that they wanted to do and just couldn't then uh, for personal or maybe financial reasons. And then eventually they were like, screw it. We're in the public eye. We, you know, we made Jupiter ascending. Who cares what people think? And they, you know, finally became who they felt okay. like they always were. So I, I, I think it was because since it's after those movies came out that it doesn't count. I'm looking at all of them, like every single one that we've done, like none of them, none of them were direct. Yeah. None of them were directed by women. The ones that are on anchor right now, all the movies that we have on anchor right now were not, none of them were made by women. Even the YouTube ones. I can't think of any, um, so yeah, uh, this and you know what, Amy Heckerling is a actual good good person to start with. She's a very important and female director. Alex, yeah. who is Amy Heckerling? Well, Amy Heckerling is a very very famous and successful female director. Can we move on now? Jesus. Okay. All right. <laughs> She is a famous comedy director, mostly known for comedy. Uh, she studied in New York uh, and graduated from AFI, but couldn't really get her foot in the door until 1982, where she made the uh, incredibly successful teen comedy Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, it was based off a book that was written by Cameron Crowe, who was just a young-looking dude and started journalism at a young age. He, after graduating high school, went back to high school and then went undercover as a journalist and wrote an entire book about his experiences with kids in high school at that time. That became a book. That book was optioned by her. She wrote the script and she directed the movie, which had a bunch of future stars, Judge Reinhold, uh, Sean Penn, um, got so many people uh force whitaker i think is in there like so many people um pp gates uh, i could go on it's a huge it's a huge bunch of almost famous people great cast and it's an excellent teen movie it doesn't pull punches it's pretty realistic it feels aimless it does it feels like just a couple of days in the in the life of these kids during summer and it's that sort of like unfocused nature that made everyone sort of fall in love with it. It wasn't artificial. It felt like you were just spending time with these characters. And it helped sort of define a genre that would do, happen in later movies and, in my opinion, be perfected by someone like Richard Linklater who would make the greatest hangout movie of all time, Dazed and Confused. But it's also like Jackie Brown or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is a, is a really excellent hangout movie where the structure is just sort of not the important thing. It's who these people are, what the world is, enjoying their lives and seeing if they grow from the experiences that they have. And that's what Fast Times is. After that, she had uh, she was married. She already had a uh, she didn't have any kids, I think, but she was married. Um, And she started having an affair with Harold Ramis and uh, they had a kid secretly and she left her husband. 
and he did not leave his wife and it became a family secret for years but it inspired her to write and direct a movie called look who's talking starring christian alley john travolta and a talking baby by bruce willis i believe Uh, it's on one of our wheels it's on one of our wheels so i'm going to dig in dig my heels into that story then uh she would it was a big hit they made the second movie immediately afterwards um, and it was a, it's a story about a single mother, and there's a Harold Ramis uh, character in there too, but um, it didn't it didn't end well that relationship. So the film was a big success for her. But the sequel they pumped out the next year right away, like months after the first one came out. It has no real story to it, so it's sort of aimless. And then she didn't make the third one; she uh, produced it. But by that point, both fi- Fast Times and um, Look Who's Talking have produced shows for her that did not. They weren't successful. So she wanted to start over. Um, so she wrote this movie. She was a big fan of the book Emma, uh, which is a classic book, um, recently redone with, um, I think, uh, one of the Dakotas, Fanning. Uh, um, no, I mean, uh, Elf Fanning. Sorry, Elf Fanning. Um, <laughs> Dakota, Dakota and Elf Fanning. And Elle Fanning was the star of it, and I haven't watched it yet, but I do want to watch it. it watching this makes me really want to watch it. Um, and so this movie is a technical remake of um, that story, a retelling of it. And this is actually in the 90s. At the time, they were doing this a lot. There was a lot of retelling of classic literature. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Dracula. Um, they did a bunch of Shakespeare, a bunch of Shakespeare. Um, and this was one of the most successful ones. Uh, she created all of the dialogue. She would hang out with some school kids at school and interview some kids, but she never claimed that this is how kids talked. It was like Juno. She made up her own language for fun. Um, and she picked the cast. She wrote the script. She directed it. And it was, again, a massive hit for her, like Fast Times. And uh, she tried. she immediately made a show after it. And that ran for about three, four seasons. It had about half of this original cast in it, but not all of it. Um, she then wrote and directed a film called Loser with um, Jason Biggs and Mira Sovino. Uh, um, it's, I'm sorry, not Mira Sovino, but Mina Savari. And uh, it's not great. It's um, got some good songs to it, but it's not, it's, it's whatever. Jason Biggs is like, okay in it. And then she would make a couple other movies um, throughout the aughts. Um, They're okay. But the thing is, Clueless ran for a while, and she could just rest on that as a producer. And then produced a few other things. She tried to produce um, an SNL movie. And she got into the TV game for a while. She got back together with Elisa Silverstone to make a movie called Vamps, which I have seen about half of, and it's actually pretty charming. Kind of like Bill and Ted's face the music, like you can tell the, the everyone coming together and making it was fun, despite not having all the money in the world. And um, that's about it. Like she hasn't made a movie, I think, since Vamps, and that was like 2016. I could be wrong, but she's mostly been in the TV game and uh, d- been directing all over the place. But she is highly respected. Um, her Harold Ramis' daughter, I believe, ended up writing a book about how the families. Um, got over the affair and eventually came together and how she, the, both the sisters, both the daughters from both ends of the family became like really good friends and consider each other's sisters. Um, it's a very interesting story. It was written after Harold Rims died. And I'll get into that when we get into the Lick Who's Talkings. 
but yeah, she's Hector- done. She's done a. She's pretty much done TV since. Like she actually wrote an episode. She actually wrote part of an episode. Uh, part. Yeah, she apparently wrote an episode of the 2016 Muppets. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And yeah, she's just she's been working in TV since uh, Vamps came out in 2012. Oh wow! Like Gossip Girl, Carrie Diaries, Suburgatory, Rake, Red Oaks, Weird City. I like I like Suburgatory a lot. Um, she is a decent. She is um, decently successful. I, I wouldn't say decently. She's pretty. She's pretty successful in the game. She. Um, Let's give a lot of people chances. Is great at casting, and she has at least three. She has two classics. Like Fast Times is in the um, film registry, um, and Clueless I think needs to stay out longer before that gets there. Um, but I think it deserves it after watching it today. I think this is a stone cold classic comedy, um, and it's not just because it's nostalgic to me. I genuinely think there's some great things about this. But I can see how maybe coming from an outside perspective that may not be the case. We'll see. But uh, Amy Heckerling is an amazing director. She recently got into some trouble because Chris Kattan alleged that she um, forced him to have a sexual relationship with her. But people don't really trust Chris Kattan all the time. He tells a lot of stories. And I never really took a deep dive in that. And she really didn't say anything about that. And she's still working, so I think more people are trusting her uh, on that one. But I'm not sure. That's just what's happened with her recently in the Me Too sense. And that's about it. Like, I think this, Look Who's Talking and Fast Times are all genuinely good movies. And she should really, she deserves to be remembered for them. Like, this and Fast Times are, like, all her. But Clueless is especially all her. This is just all her making. And that's uh, that's Amy Heckling. Huh. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry. Um. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. So. So yeah. I had a freak out. <laughs> um, because it brought it all back. Um. Alex has begged me to keep it because I also have an episode of him getting drunk during X-Men or failed X-Men review. I mean, we may never go back. I'm kind of interested in going back one day, but I think if we go back to the, I think we should split the X-Men movies the way we do the Marvel movies because they are three sections to it. There's the three originals. There's all the prequel movies, like even Apocalypse and Dark Phoenix. And then there's the Logan ones. If we just did them in sections like that, I think we'd be fine. Mm. But anyway, so, yeah, I got, ter- got terribly drunk, and I don't like to drink. But when I do drink, I binge, and it's. Is uh, this the first time we've like officially mentioned that? I think so. No, I mean, I think I've mentioned it before, but kind of like okay. joking. Like you and Zach don't talk about it, but no, like I just <laughs> yeah. Was like not smoking at the time, and I'm a smoker, and I was drinking, and it. I, at that point, I it's in my it's in my body, it's in my genetics, it's in my DNA. We are binge drinkers in our family. It it's just that's the way it is. So I stopped drinking a long time ago. I still drink socially, and sometimes when I do, I go too far, and that was the night where I went too far. 
I see. <laughs> Either way, um, I'm just going to put it in the vault. And it may never come out, but like, that's just like least... me having a genuine emotional breakdown because all that kind of yes. bubbled up. And it was a combination that... of me legit not getting it. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you, it wasn't like you were uh, upset because you didn't get a movie or pissed because I was giving you a hard time. No, you were, it was a trigger. You were having an emotional reaction. Now that I understand that, like, and you explained it here now, I don't think that people need to hear that. I, I think it's important that you explained yourself, um, and I think it's even more important that you're willing to admit that. That's amazing, man. So, uh, respect. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for listening for 90 minutes of me ranting. I, dude, that, I'm so glad, because it wasn't just you ranting. I don't think you ever would have gotten to this point if I wasn't continuously hitting that button of, like, you're being really hard on this thing that she's doing. And eventually you admitted it. And like, it wasn't like I was trying to hunt you down. It was just a chink in your armor that I just kept noticing. And you eventually were like, uh, I'm going to tell him. So I appreciate that. That was your, you, all you, man. I wasn't trying to force you, but it was something I noticed and you let it out. So I appreciate that. So all that being said, now that I can reflect on it with a clear mind and clear conscience, like it's a neat little movie. <laughs> yeah, I, fair. Yeah, like I did. Now that you explained to me how, like, you reacted to the end of like that montage of how she is like, um, her new approach. Oh, she's her new approach and how she's like instead of like avoiding Christian because of that awkward night she's like embracing him and she's like yeah. he really appreciates like he wants things to be beautiful and interesting I'm literally looking at it right now we've hit it at the exact moment you're talking about it man that's serendipitous then I realized it was that the specific moment right there that I'm like okay alright yep uh, this all ties together now, and I'm actually responding to it in a positive way. Um, so, like that all hit home. Uh, that all that all like got that all like got to me, and it was like those like that that forced a new perspective on me. Um, and like how um, which Wayne's brother is he? I'm sorry, I forget. He is not a Wayne's brother. He's Turk from Scrubs. Right. Shit. Okay, that was racist. Um. He he. The this movie would apologies, create. <laughs> well, this movie created a show, and although they Alicia Silverstone was not on the show, Amber and uh, um, Turk would end up being on the show for all four seasons, and then he ended up being on Scrubs. I see. Okay, so either way, like she pointed out how they're, when, when no one's looking, that's when they're the most compassionate to each other. Um, and like, ah, dang. And then she actually went to, uh, gosh dang, I am having a hard this, time. What was the skater guy's name? Guys, I forgot it too. I think it's Troy. 
IMDb, save me. Well, it's originally Brecken Meyer is the actor, but I hit the Travis. Story. Travis. Travis. There we go, Travis. Yes, so, and that's another thing. She just willingly is like, "I'll go. Okay, I'll go." forget about the shoes i'll go in fact it's not like you owe me for the shoes or he's like i'm gonna repay you she's like i'll go to your skater thing because i think deep down she was like i gave that guy shit for that shoe and now it's like i don't even care about it so absolutely i'll go to your thing thank you for dropping off your bongs and stuff i liked the honey bottle bong <laughs> yeah that got, that got a good laugh out of me in in um in Fast Times in Ridgemont High, Sean Penn became a star because he played a character named Spicoli. Recently, when they did the um the script reading of it on YouTube, they had Brad Pitt, Jennifer Aniston, John Legend. Sean Penn was there, but Shia, Bu- Shia LaBeouf played Spicoli in it, and everybody talked about how great Shia LaBeouf was Spicoli, as his version of it. Like Spicoli is the star of Fast Times. Brecken Meyer, Travis, in this movie is pretty much an homage to that. He's not, like, I wouldn't say he's, like, a breakout in this role, but he is great, and he would later go on to do amazing things in Robot Chicken and all that stuff. So um, I do love Brecken Meyer, and I think he actually is really good in this, but it was, first time I really looked at it, it was like, oh, that's Spicoli too. Got it. So, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> There's a lot of like, so if we're if we're gonna get technical, like there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like dolly shots in this movie yes. of them just walking, like the dolly, like the dolly moving, the camera's moving backwards on a dolly, and they're just talking. Like that's pretty much like the primary camera move. Of this movie, yeah, the extra could not help but notice th- that. Oh yeah, I'm watching it right now. Like, um, I, I, a big reason for that would probably be um, that Heckerling herself, uh, at least when it comes to her teen movies that I've seen, feels like that's where most of the energy is going to come from. Not necessarily edits. She even edits this movie like you think um, energy would come from into a film and then goes, you, I bet you think this is a Noxzema commercial. And then she pulls back and she allows... <laughs> I the remember actors, that. Yeah, she pulls the camera back and she allows the actors to have their scene. In the 90s, and especially in 1995, it was about fast cuts and fisheye lens and we're going to zoom in real close to faces. And she was like, no, I'm just going to let the scene breathe. And oh let just do their thing. Oh God! She trusts her actors more than she trusts the camera. Dude, all the work. Dude, I had flashbacks to Surfer with the fish islands reference. Oh yeah, dude. Oh my God! <laughs> when you commented that one shot, I was like, "It's like a Terrence Malick movie," and everybody laughed. Jesus, that was crazy. Oh my God, <laughs> so much fun. That night was so much fun. Oh, good times. Yeah, dude, it was like fucking to the, to, oh man, Terrence Malick. Sorry, sure. uh, I, no, sorry it, I sidetracked you. I'm sorry. Well, no, good call on the dolly things. I didn't notice that, but like, yes, honestly, that's she's not really about edit cat bush. Like, we're just gonna make it all zoom and energy, boom, bass, total tubular. No, it was more like we're just gonna, you know, 
show you the school. They have to walk a long way to get to the front door, apparently. So <laughs> hallways are a thing. Um, and there's a lot of shot reverse shot. A lot of people sitting right. down. That it's more about the clothes and the settings. I would say the mo the in fact I'm very it, it is impressive that at, when we get to the party there isn't a lot of camera movements and energy. It's actually you see the geography of the house because of when shares like do you want to make a round and you literally do that and then you get the rest of the other side of the house when he's shaving his head in the bathroom. Like it's crazy. So, yeah, I, that was one thing that I couldn't help but notice. Um, by the way, Surfer is still not up for streaming yet. God. So I will keep checking. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I know, they should just do it. Should, like, should, find should, a way. They put yeah. Bollywood movies on Amazon Prime, for God's sake, okay? They put Bollywood movies in AMC. We need to go to this guy. We need to find him. We need to <laughs> get it from him. We will break into his house and we'll get it. We'll use our share charm and make an argument. Like, God damn it, we need this thing. <laughs> oh, needs to know more about this movie. Like, whatever we can do to find a bootleg, all efforts will be made. Anyway. I'm about to watch the end of Clueless for the fourth time today. <laughs> um... uh, and I still love it. I still love it. Other than that, yeah, it's kind of like, it kind of just, it wasn't very, like, yeah, it's like, it's not like, a, it's a comedy, so it's not going to look very dramatic, but the one shot that really caught my eye was when she stops in front of the fountain and it goes off white when the light bulb in her head yeah. turns on. Like, that yeah. was pretty good. It looks like an ode to American in Paris. That's the closest thing I can think of. But mostly, yeah, it's the movie being like, boom, here's your moment, Cher. This is the thing. Here's, here's why you're trying to be, do all these things. Here's, what's, here's what you're capable of being. It's like you want to be a better person for Josh. And it makes sense. It's not totally that, but it is basically that. That's what the movie's kind of like. This is the thing she hasn't realized yet. This is the thing that would focus a lot of control in her life which a lack of makes her crazy. So, um, oh, go ahead. Go, sorry. Well, no, no, that's pretty much it in terms of like flashy moments in the movie. Like when he's skateboarding, it's a skateboard thing. There's the yeah. next thing at the beginning of the movie. There's the montage when they're taking the pictures. But mostly, no, there's nothing of that sort <clears throat> of theatrical presence as that. In terms of like humor, like the, like the scene where... Mrs. Uh, Geist was it was her name right? Um, yeah. Uh, when she kisses, uh, and that's his name. Uh, I'm looking at the IMDb. Everybody, um, she the inconceivable guy. Wallace Shawn. Um, from Princess Bride. So <laughs> inconceivable. They they kiss, they kiss. And then she can't get the door open. She's so flustered. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. Okay. And then, and the... then D, and, D and Cher are just like, aww. <laughs> so cute. She can't get the door open. Like, there were other moments that made me laugh, too. But they happened so fast, and I can't remember them. But the other moment was, like, the highway moment, where I was just like, oh, God. 
Yeah, L.A. Freeway seems scary. It's like that. It's like sometimes like slapstick doesn't like register with me. It's just sometimes like the sporadic, this, like random chaotic moment like that. Just boom out of nowhere. They're on the highway and then they're freaking out, and it's just the funniest thing. <laughs> There's like, a lot of the, a lot of the jokes that I enjoy are wordplay but also i'm i'm watching it this time silverstone is so good on her timing but it's like it's the thing where she like teaches britney murphy's the word sporadic and then you turn they they are talking and then they turn back from the kitchen and she's just on the couch <laughs> quoting and singing along with the commercial like any of us would do like Fanta's fashion full of fresh maker i was like i do that every day and then she turns and he's like i'll see you later and she's yeah, I hope not sporadically. I'm like, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Rolling with the homies. Oh my god, there's so many jokes I didn't understand as a kid. Like, she's like, I'm looking for a herbal remedy, and they're like, Oh well, we think we have coke, and she's like, You have coke here, and I was like, Oh my god, I never understood that. And then the whole bit when she's trying to swoon Christian as they're watching like Spartac, like old Spartacus. Yeah, like, and then just to find out that he's not like into her, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, he's gay." <laughs> like the oh. way he interacted with people at the club, like it all when that moment happened, I'm like, "Oh, wait a minute!" And I remembered all the interactions in the club. He's talking to the guy at the counter. He's dancing with the dude. Um, uh, ran there's a random dude he dances with, and like she notes how like look at how he's ignoring all the other girls. I'm like. Wait, wait, wait! Hold on now. Is this just going to be like a bad breakup, or is this going where I think it's going? I yeah. The the moment he talks to the bartender is, I think, the first clue. But I love how when he's dancing and Josh is like, "I'm watching Cher and I'm watching this guy because he's jealous," and then he immediately stops. He's like, "What the fuck? Motherfucker <laughs> dancing? Like, Damn!" Um... Uh, I love. Yeah, I love the music. I, I'm a big fan of the boss tones. Uh, Kids in America has been stuck in my head for decades because of this movie. So this is where Captain Marvel got it. Got that one song. Like, I'm just a girl. You know, like that song. That's. I don't think that's in this movie. It is. It's It's uh, after uh, Kids in America. Hmm. Uh, well, Dude, yes. Go back and check. Go back and check because I, I could be wrong, but... I Remember this move, this song is in the movie. I believe you because I'm watching it as many times on mute. I only really watched it with the sound on once today. Um, and uh, I believe you because that no doubt came out in 1995 or 1994 around this time. So yeah. And but I think what's really interesting is like yeah the the soundtrack has a lot of interesting indie rock on top of all of this stuff. Like there's like three times they play Coldplay of County Crows in there. Like. This is uh, not Coldplay. I'm sorry, um, Radiohead. I was about to say, like, Coldplay is that old? <laughs> Coldplay would come in, come out actually four to five years later. Their 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 CD pair their album parachutes came out in like ninety nine two thousand. So they were close, but no, like Radiohead, fake plastic trees. You hear a lot in this. So plastic uh, trees. Um, so yeah, that is, 
Mm, oh gosh, dang. I lost my I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I just blacked I out. Say, oh, God. Thing I, a couple things I want to point out. I I okay. think Breckenmeyer is amazing. I think everyone in this is amazing, even Jeremy Sisto. But the two highlights, without a doubt, are Brittany Murphy. This was a star-making performance for Brittany Murphy. She like I remember seeing Brittany Murphy on a show called The Torkelsons, which was a sequel show to uh, a. Almost Home, which was the sequel show to a show called The Torkelsons, that also, interestingly enough, had both Ben Affleck and Jared Leto in different episodes date the same girl, and I'm pretty sure that's where Batman and Joker got their rival start. <laughs> uh, but that's where I saw Brittany Murphy, and then I saw her in this movie, and I was like, oh, she's amazing. And then, yeah, after that, she was, like, off. After Clueless, she was off like a rocket, and then sadly passed away, I think, like, ten years ago by now. Okay. But, Yeah. So Jeremy Sisto, who played Elton, yeah, I, at first glance, I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's definitely not Jai Courtney. Why do I keep thinking he's Jai Courtney? He almost, to my my head, kind of, sort of, maybe looks like Jai Courtney in this movie. I was like, how do they get Jai Courtney? But he's not Jai Courtney. That's not Jai. He looks a little like him, I think. But it um, was enough to be like for me personally to be like to do a double take. I'm like, like, it's clearly not him. There's too much hair. It's the, um, it's the face. It's the facial structure. I think Jack yes. Courtney has a has a smaller face, whereas um, Sisto has a longer face. But I've also watched more of Sisto than Courtney. Certainly, certainly okay. Suburgan. I he was the father on Suburgatory, and I really loved him in that. But also uh, Six Feet Under too. So that, so yeah, I, I, I did think that was funny. Oh, yeah, the, the whole robbery scene. I missed the part that you had mentioned. I missed the part where he said thank you as he ran away. Yeah, he's like, he's like, get on the ground. And she's like, but this dress is like a really important designer. And then opens her jacket. 16-year-old opens her jacket to like reveal the most sexy dress ever to a robber. Bad move. But whatever, um, and he's like, he's like, get on the ground, and she's like, oh, fine, and she gets on the ground. He's like, count to a hundred, and she's like, cool, and it's just so she doesn't know what direction he runs into. He's like stuttering too. He's like, um, get on the ground. Yeah, like he doesn't really want to do this. He's also supposed to be on drugs and stuff, but then he also like, he doesn't oh. know what he's doing. <laughs> exactly. He's like, all right, um, get on the ground, count to one hundred. Um, thank you. Uh, and then he leaves. And then you don't see where he goes. You only hear the running. She counts to three and then immediately stands up. The funny so, thing like, is, um, Saving Private Ryan would do like something similar to that, too. Whereas, <laughs> like, they tie the German up. They, 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 uh, they, uh, they, uh, they blindfold the Nazi and they send him down. It's like, count to this number and then go. That kind of reminded me of that. I was like, that's where they got that. <laughs> I'm kidding. There is a... There's a movie called L.A. Story where um, it's just goofball stuff, like surrealism every, left and right. And there's a moment where Steve Martin takes his um, Sarah Jessica Parker out on a date. And um, they're just walking down the street. And she's like, you want to go somewhere else? And he's like, sure. And she's like, uh, he's like, I'll get some money out of the ATM. And he gets in line. And as they get to the end of the ATM on the other side of it, after he gets his money, is a, is a line of robbers. And so immediately when he gets his money, a robber walks up and he's like, hi, I'll be your robber today. And he just takes the money and then they just walk away. It's just a transaction by that point. 
it's expected to happen. So I, I felt that moment here where it was just like, uh, he's like, give me your stuff. I'm going to shoot you. She's like, fine, Let's lay down. Okay, thank you. And then she's like, Ugh, immediately up transaction over. Um, so is there anything else that we missed? Like, um, no, just again, Alicia Silverstone's just, it's a, it's a, such a good performance, man. It's so good. Like she would get shafted and Batman and Robin in excess baggage and then just not really, not really get a chance to do anything. Didn't she get harassed on that set? On what, Batman and Robin? Yeah. Maybe? I don't know. She certainly got harassed in general, just like in the media and by reporters and stuff and about her weight. She went through like weight fluctuations like that and people just would not shut up about it. And she was like a teenage girl, man, and it was fucking rough. Um, she would end up going on producing and directing and doing her own stuff. She'd get make another movie with Heckerlene later, and she's... Uh, been in a few things lately. She was in a horror movie recently, I think. Um, but I, I love Alicia Silverstone. She's one of my childhood crushes, and it's because she is super <laughs> sexy. And God, the outfits are great. The costumes are great. But like watching it now, she is so good. Her timing is so good, and I'm, I'm really shocked by that. And it just highlights how great of a cast um, Emmy Heckerling's movies are. How like perfect she can find a, a character for a role like even even in look who's talking uh christy Alley and john travolta are so good together in their roles and just like chemistry wise i think they're really good and uh, i she may she may have lost it in other films but the next film she would make after this is loser and it's about a guy who just goes to college and he's just a dweeb and he meets this girl who's you know massive slut and kind of a jerk and meets these other guys that are huge assholes, and they all take advantage of them, and then she falls in love with them anyway. And it's not very good, but it is. Uh, it does kind of show that she has a compassion for people like this. But uh, in terms of what you were talking about earlier, about like movies where that would trigger you, there are much, much worse movies, dude. There is a movie that, just like this, is based off an old book called Dangerous Liaisons called Cruel Intentions. And it is basically about how two step-siblings make a bet to ruin people's lives with sex and crime and eventually murder. Uh, Also, whoever wins the bet gets to, you know, fuck the other step-sibling. It was a massive hit. And it made stars out of Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, it's a very interesting movie, man. You want to see rich people use their power to fuck over people? That would be that would be the movie. You want to be absolutely. You want to hate people within the first two minutes of the movie, and then surprisingly try and try and understand a movie like that, getting you to like these characters, like. Ryan Phillippe in that movie is disgusting, and by the end of the movie, you're supposed to like him? No. Fuck no. That is not possible. There's like She's All That, where a guy makes a bet to see if he can make a dweeb a prom queen, and she's like, I'm a bet. Like, dude, teen comedies are awful. Teen comedies are terrible. So, like, this is, like, not really of the caliber of those. But um, 
I, it'll be interesting if I can put one of those on the wheel eventually one day and have you watch it and you'd be like, oh, yeah, this is fucked up. These people are fucked up. Probably my favorite one that I really love that does trigger me the same way as you, because I also hate middle school, is a movie called Angus. It's about a fat kid who uh, has a crush on the hottest girl in school uh, and is bullied every day by the quarterback, every fucking day for being a fat kid. Uh, and then the entire school plays a massive prank on him by voting him prom queen and voting the girl he likes prom queen. And that means he has to go to the prom and like dance with her and stuff. And it's, they would, they, he knew that when they did that, they would do something Carrie style and like embarrass him and humiliate him. But he decides to go anyway. He decides, fuck it. I'm going to learn how to dance. I'm going to take this opportunity. I'm going to take this girl out and I'm going to do it. And it's one of my favorites. One of my favorites because he fucking does, man. Angus is the best. It's like an okay movie, but I love it. It's one of those movies where I was like, fuck bullies, fuck them, screw them. Like, literally, a quote in the movie is, screw them, Angus. Like, that's the moral of the movie. Screw them. Do whatever the fuck you want. I love it. That's the point where I watched John Wick. Um, <laughs> um, well, they didn't John Wick. They, they, I mean, I guess they did. They killed his dog and stole his car. Those are bullies right there. <laughs> um, anyway. Okay, I'm going down a rabbit hole that I really don't want to go down. Okay, so... I think um, this was an interesting experience. I hope one day you can come back to this movie and maybe see it again when you're, like, having a good day. Um, but I'm glad you took the time to, like, explore yourself and, and share that. And I'm glad you kind of see the movie for what it is. And I'm glad there are some things about it that you... But yeah, it's just a little, it's just a silly little comedy movie. Yeah. I think it's a classic, but also just for what it is, it's just a comedy, man. It's just, it's just supposed to make you feel good. So with all that being, with all that been said, and three hours later. <laughs> I'm going to go B for now. I'm going to say B as well. Like, um, uh, like it's not flashy. It's not. not entirely flashy. There's like one or two moments where it's like flat, where it's flat, where it's that way. But like, it's not flashy. Um, everyone's everyone's good in it. It's a nice, it's a nice time overall. You know, fun little I, movie. I'm gonna say. I'm going to go a little bit higher and say B plus. Maybe there's a part of me that wants to go A minus. I think the more time steps away from this, I think it's good. But I, I again, that alien cinema guy on YouTube, um, the hidden meetings for movies that's done by an alien in the future, everything that you said, he says. And it's not untrue. Like, she is a privileged little white girl who can, you know, just talk her way out of any situation in a tight dress. So, like, that is there, but that also isn't necessarily what the point of the movie is for, like, the rest of the two-thirds of it. That's there until eventually she's like, huh, helping people is fun. I want to help more people. And then she eventually does, and she's like, wow, okay, well, this is hard. Um, I can't just do it for me. I kind of got to do it for other people. 
and think about other people and be considerate about their feelings. Shit. Hmm. All right. Well, I'm going to try. Like, eventually, that's the point of the movie. And I have no problem with that. I think that's over time as I've gotten older, realizing as much as I watched this as a kid, that this, this has highlighted a lot of empathy that I've carried on to other people, which is like doing, doing good deeds for yourself is certainly doing good deeds, sure. Like, if you're doing good deeds just so you don't go to hell, like, that's not why you should do that shit. You should do it because people need help and you can offer it. You know, if there's, a, if there's someone in the street standing there as a car is driving up, you're just going to stand there or you're going to do something about it. It's, it's human decency. It's exactly how – Seinfeld is all about how people did nothing and let shit happen to other people. And that, that's, that general lack of human decency creates conflict. And then they go to jail for it they watch a guy get beat up and mugged and they go to jail just because they watched it and laughed at it because fuck those people see you everybody clueless <laughs> i did not expect this night to go the way it did but it did i'm gonna say a minus on clueless he's going a minus ladies and gentlemen mad lad i'm kidding um he's climbing <laughs> mm. God, so, Brittany Murphy starts slamming her head on the desk. That's such a funny sound. It didn't even sound right either. Like, to me, like, there should be that impact should be like, I'm not saying like there's the glass shouldn't shake. Like the, gla- like the, the glass, uh, the glasses shouldn't shake or anything like that. It's just like the pounding on the table. It feels like because she's pounding her hand on the table. She's not no, pounding she, the table directly. So it should be a softened impact. It, it should be, but picky, it, picky. the aggressive nature of that sound is still super funny to me. Like, they genuinely want her to stop. Like, stop, stop! I was like, oh, shit. Um, so there you go, everybody. Clueless. Um, uh, clueless no more. Anyway, okay. So, <laughs> before we... Before we Start talking about <laughs> before we start talking about um, before we go into what we're gonna spin next. Uh, as you were talking, I was uh, just going into a um, quick um, rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I was trying to see if Surfer Teen Confronts Fear had a Twitter account. Oh, interesting. Did not. It does not have. A Twitter account, but does have a it does have a Twitter fan club. Oh my god, I'm going to join it. Surfer Teen Confronts Fear fan club, following nine accounts and only thirteen followers. Now, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's gonna be fourteen soon. Now. They have not tweeted since May 22nd of this year. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> the last tweet they did before that was January 8th. Oh, my God. Before that, November 2019, and on and on and on. Good fans. Bro. Um... So, it's 
So apparently, the last tweet it made on May 22nd was plugging the director Douglas Burke's new book on Doomsday called The Dark Prophet. Oh my god. <laughs> if there's an audiobook version. Jesus Christ. What a book. He wrote a book with another with some other dude, and <laughs> hold on, I gotta see this. Uh, oh my god, it's oh man, the poster, the 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 cover is um lazy. Um, so what next? Yeah. Thing? So there, so there it is. Like, wait, <gasps> it has a Discord. <laughs> oh wow. It is a Discord. Oh. <laughs> so apparently, the only way to know more, like the most recent, like stuff about it, is on their website. And mm. there's a way to, like, and apparently they have a monthly newsletter that I could subscribe to. Now I'm scared to do it. As long, I mean, if it gets us more information as to when the streaming will happen, then I'm for, or when we could get a DVD, maybe, sure. But like, that's the only news I care about. Right. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna check every week from now on. Now. Good. Same way, same way that we found out that it was playing a trial on. I will check every week to see if it goes on streaming or DVD, whatever. We will get this. We are gonna find. We will find it. We will find. We will find him. <laughs> we will find him. We'll anyway, find... Alex. Yes. Time to spin the curiosity wheel. Curiosity wheel. Do you have a Prime account? Uh, I do have a Prime account. Ooh, I think I know what I'm picking. What you picking? No, do you do you know first? You go first, please, by all means. Um, well, I have the backlog if you need it. Let's go backlog. I could use that for a second. Okay. Jupiter ascending. Okay. Lost in space, two thousand one. Okay. <clears throat> gold rush, the gold rush. Sorry. Uh, the Matthew McConaughey movie. Um. Groundhog's Day. Yes. Close right. Encounters. Mm-hmm. Purple Rain. Mm. Don, Donnie Darko. That's right. True Romance. Battle mm. Royale. The Medallion. Valerian. Hostage. Smoking Aces. Wolf Children. Beetlejuice. Turbo Kid, Speed Racer, Waterworld, The Core, Romeo and Juliet, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, The, Imaginar- <laughs> the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, Gone with the Wind, and 10 Things I Hate About You. Ooh. Mmm. Mmm. 
Okay, so there are two that caught my attention right there. Um, Ten Things I Hate About You is a solid teen comedy with um, Heath Ledger and uh, Justin Alarissa Olenek and Julia Stiles and David Krumholtz, uh, Allison Janney. Great movie. Very funny movie. Really like it. But I have never seen and always wanted to have seen The Core. Always wanted to see The Core. I, it, I've tried to watch it so many times and have never gotten through with it. Um, there is also... Um, it's also something else I was thinking of, but I think I'd rather save it for a good because it is a good movie. Um, I think The Core might just resemble everything about this wheel. It, it just it would be I know it's bad but how bad I'm very curious to see how bad alright <clears throat> Alex my pick was dependent on whether you had a Prime account or not now I don't know if Zach has a Prime account and at this point I don't think it actually yeah never mind I think it kind of doesn't but anyway I just want to at least Put it on the backlog. Mm-hmm. Alex, I think it's time we... I just want to watch something. Like, I know, like, Rollerball was kind of it. But I need something crazier. I need something, like, wilder. That really just doesn't, like... That just goes for it and doesn't care about what other, what other, people, what other people think. So I think it's time... We dipped our toe into Bollywood. You want to go Bollywood? Holy shit. Because Corridor Crew on YouTube does a series of called Visual Effect Artists React. I've mentioned this before with, uh, with um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Is this the one where people form into like a ball and then they fling it over to the other army? It's not that movie. Okay. So that does sound pretty awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> that, does, that did look pretty awesome. Hollywood is awesome at times. But go ahead, which one was it? I want to do... So there's this movie called Singham. Singham. It's on Prime. It's on Prime Video. That's pretty much the only place you can watch it. Besides that. <clears throat> and so it is like a it's like maverick cop but the guy is like like so ridiculously overpowered that it's insane okay so hold on let me see i'm looking at a trailer right now you're looking at a trailer right now like <laughs> you you watch that <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, Bollywood's crazy. I've seen a couple just based off of the insanity of a trailer alone. Uh, they're, all, they're super long. They're super expensive. They're this one, Alex, I looked. This one is two hours and 15 minutes. We can do it. Oh, good, yeah. Most run at about two and a half to three these days. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I love it. 
So basically, the guy who's main, who's the main character, he's like the Indian version of Tom Cruise. He looks it. So also, this will be a nice gateway into something experimental that I'm cooking up for the for this podcast. This movie has a sequel that came out three um, years after called Sing Him Returns. And it may or may not be a direct remake of Mission Impossible 3. Oh, oh I mean, a Bollywood remake of the most boring of them? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that, I, I, wanted, I want to dip our toe into Bollywood. I'm fine with program. that, man. That sounds awesome. So my pick is Singham. I think that's our good... I think that's a good, like... That'll be, like, a good starting point. Yeah, based dude. on the... Based on the, the clips that Corridor Crew have seen over the course of their five Bollywood videos that they've done. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's a couple Bollywood movies that I think are just as crazy as this that I would want to bring to the table, but this looks like a good start for sure. I mean, like, he's... He, <laughs> just him... Oh, God, yeah. No, I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, he, he, he's driving a car. He decides to flip it around, and in the process, just kind of gets out and shoots this other car. It goes flipping through the air. I'm in. Whoa, dude, you did not see the end of that clip, though. It's so, it's so funny. Oh, look at the trailer. Like, the clip is different. So, like, I know I'm not getting it all. And to be honest, I'm glad because I want to be surprised. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, I know how that clip ends. I'm gonna save it. Um, so my pick is Singham. We need, we need, we need to collectively decide on a, uh, on a third one in, uh, in, in, in place of Zach. No, I just say do Singham because I'm pretty sure we'll enjoy that experience more than the core. So you want to, we'll go. so you want to do Singham. You want to put Singham on the curiosity wheel? Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, why? Why not? Um, put the core in the back catalogs. I want to come back to it one day. But yeah, I the also, core is already on there. Yeah, the core is there. Like I, the core to me is just like it's going to be a, so bad it's good. But I don't know whether it's going to be boring or not. And Wait, dude, this does not look boring. Dude, opportunity arises. I thought it was the curiosity script. wheel only has thirteen options on it. Oh, Out of the maximum fifteen. There you go. Given that the core has been on there longer, mm. I'm gonna put the core on the wheel for this spin. Okay. Um, and then if you want, we can decide on one more. Yes, sing him. What are you doing? Okay, yes, sing him. We'll put sing him on the on the wheel. <laughs> I'm happy for both. Yeah, because one one okay. is terrible. Then if it's gonna blow our minds. Then we need to pick a replacement for whichever one gets picked. Huh, okay. Which is still the case. Let me see what I can think about here. Take okay. the core off of the um, backlog. I know the back catalog had some good stuff, but I'm trying to think of something. Uh I think I, I think I have mine. Yeah, okay, I think I have mine now. Hmm. Let's see. I'm gonna go with Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket? What the heck is Bottle Rocket? 
Bottle Rocket is the first Wes Anderson movie ever made. Really? Oh, yes. Yeah, 1996? Yeah, it's written by him and Owen Wilson, and it stars Lucas and Owen, and it's, uh, it's really good. I mean, I want to do other ones, but I also have not seen that movie in quite a long time. And it would be nice to go back and like watch it beginning to end, really. Uh, and it would give us a step into Wes Anderson. It's also like his least storybookish. It's like it'll get us down to other ones. So I am going to try and get Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies on this wheel again. <laughs> <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just that the concept is just insane. Shut up, a bitch. Okay, so I've got pride. Prejudice. Prejudice. And zombies. You have bottle rockets. Is there a bottle rocket or a rockets? Bottle rocket. Rocket, got it. And then, what do you want to? What do you think? In our third one, should be in place of Zach. Um, what is something Zach Joy? Was he big on? <clears throat> was he big on Donnie Darko? Sorry. Actually, yes, he brought that to the table. You know, Donnie Darko is a good one. Okay, Donnie Darko then. <clears throat> Can never go wrong with Donnie Darko. Okay, Donnie Darko. So we got Bottle Rocket, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies, and Donnie Darko. Three completely different movies. <laughs> oh man. Yep. I like how we. I like how that ends up being the case. All right, here we go. Spinning. <gasps> yes, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. <laughs> I thought I was done with zombie movies. Well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> nope, you get one more. You're adding that to the zombie to the but I we already recorded. <laughs> Dang it. More movies. Uh, I Dang mean it. I've always like you, I've always been intrigued and that cast is pretty nuts, but I don't remember anybody ever talking about this movie since it came out. So <laughs> it's just the concept is just so insane to me. I'm sorry. It's just it gets me. Uh I guess. I guess. It took a like a classic, like, um. They took a classic romance novel, and added zombies. Like, come on now. You know what? When you put it like that, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me just get the. Wheels ready here. All right, so get the spin the wheel and curiosity wheel. All right, on the curiosity wheel as it stands, Titan A E. Yeah. Wanted. Mm -hmm. Heart and souls. Yeah. Um, space balls. That. Ravenous. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nacho Libre. Ah, Nacho Libre. 
the Dark Crystal. Oh yeah, that's right. It got canceled. It got canceled at Netflix. Well, screw them. Um, Read. I liked it a lot. Oh, I'm scratching my eye. Um, Interstellar. Yep. Um, Booksmart. Mm-hmm. That'd be timely, I think. Uh, Princess Mononoke. Oh, that's right. No. No. Okay. Whew. All right. Um, Bridge on the River Kwai. I hope. Uh, Surf's Up. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's still, that, I'm sorry. That's still on there, Alex. I, I apologize. I mean, I, get, I, I really just want to see that second one. That's all this is about. Uh, Gojira, the non-racist Godzilla. The non-racist yeah. one, as I marked it. Mm-hmm. The Core. God, The Core. And sing him. <laughs> so there's your curiosity wheel, everyone. Oh boy. Uh, let me make sure I'm still okay. We're still good. Um, all right. Are you ready, Alex? <laughs> Three, two, one, spin. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, the next movie we are watching on the Meister Movie Podcast, Nacho Libre. Okay. All right. Sweet. <laughs> I'd love to start. It's, it's going to be interesting to go from one comedy to another. Right. <laughs> By the same guy who made Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, which I'm glad we're not doing. Like, Nacho Libre. <laughs> Nacho I like Napoleon Dynamite. I do. But, like, Nacho Libre, I feel like, is a little underappreciated. So. Um, I, I, I feel the same way. The, the, I have not, like, legit sat down and watched this, like, as a movie. I would just, like, watch this in passing, and then that would be it. It would really? be here and gone, like, like that. Um, but like, I've never like taken the time to just like sit down and watch it like, like that and actually process what's going on. Um, so this will be, this will be an experience. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's hard to explain. Um, no, I know what happens. I know what's going on. I just haven't seen it in a while. I just like I haven't seen it in a while. Oh, okay. Like, well, then, yeah. Movie. Yeah, it's just it's not just. Chancho, you're a um, man. Sometimes you wear stretchy pants. 
and your room is for fun. <laughs> Not sure, right? Um, I I love Jack Black, and we got another wrestling movie. <laughs> Take that, Zach. It's a lucha libre movie. Yeah. Uh, yes, I love Jack Black, and I think he makes this movie. I think he matches the tone of the silliness very well. I'm gonna do some actual research and. Because I know this was based on like an actual, um, I know this was based on like an actual like like a real life story. So I really want to. I've heard interesting things about it, so I'm going to do some research and like bring it to the table next time. Sweet, because I don't want to do any. Oh my god! <laughs> no, uh, you have to research the director. That's what. That's uh, your job. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to like. Dive I don't in. ask Zach to talk about who the director is. I ask you. All right, fine. <laughs> Where's he started with Napoleon? No, I'm, um, he's done some stuff I wanted to check out. Like, I believe he did Captain Fantastic, and I got Viggo Mortensen and Oscar nom. So there's stuff I wanted to see. Gentleman Broncos has always been on my radar, but I also know he's made crap. There you go, everybody. Uh, Nacho Libre will be our next movie on the show. So. You better not look at me next time and be like, Nacho Libre. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That was fun as long as it was. um, We had emotional breakthroughs and cinematic breakthroughs. And, and, uh, you know, you went uh, full Monet for a while. I mean, as if, but, you know, you're a bit of a ball (laughs) boy. So, uh... There you go, everyone. Take care, guys. Uh, Alex, say goodbye. I hope not sporadically. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag release the Ace Ventura cut.